Are you on a quest for better health and faster healing? Look no further than MEND, where evidence-based nutrition meets proven outcomes. MEND revolutionizes health with patient-centered clinical nutrition and cutting-edge digital solutions for improved outcomes. Trusted by leading hospitals, pro sports teams, and the military, MEND's science-backed products fuel your health journey from recovery to wellness. I personally am a fan of MEND's approach to evidence-based nutrition and their track record of proven results. Whether you're preparing for surgery or on the road to recovery, men can enhance and accelerate your healing journey. Go to mend.me today and use code orthoshow for 10% off your first purchase. That's M-E-N-D dot M-E, mend.me, and code orthoshow for 10% off men clinical nutrition today. And while you're there, check out the opportunities to partner with mend for your patients today. We just continue to be impressed by the amazing people here at Shoulder 360. We're bringing on Chris Chenard, who's an orthopedic surgeon and specializes in shoulder and elbow. He is a fifth generation physician, third generation orthopedic surgeon, has an incredibly rich history of his education in France, as well as at the Mayo Clinic and really in private practice now for years. What I love is his passion for education, as well as medical device design. We talk about what it takes to be a lead design surgeon for a major uh, company as well. It's a great conversation. I know you're gonna love it. Dr. Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro. From Medical Media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid sparing orthopedic surgeon here for yes, another episode of The Ortho Show podcast coming at you live from Miami. For Shoulder 360, we're so excited to be with some of the greatest shoulder specialists in the world, and we are so fortunate today to have Dr. Chris Chenard, who's an orthopedic surgeon, who's a shoulder and elbow specialist uh, from Michigan. He's in private practice at the Great Lakes Orthopedic Center and literally has one of the most majestic facial hair beards in orthopedics. Chris, what a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Love it, brother. So uh, we always like to start from the beginning. You know, sure. tell us a little bit about how you got into medicine, what the fa- how the family contributed, where'd you grow up, all that kind of good stuff. Well, I grew up in New Orleans. I had the uh, pleasure of being a third generation orthopedist. My grandfather and my dad were both orthopedic surgeons. Uh, We also have two other generations of physicians in the family. So uh, it's in our DNA being uh, being in charge of caring Uh, for people. I I love it. And and of course, we'll get to the French later on because we know that you just gave this awesome lecture here at Children 360 in French. My wife would be so proud because she's uh, fluent in French as well, but well done. Well, well it was just a, an outrageous French accent. <laughs> uh, there, were, there was some real French sprinkled. A little, a little bit of real French. Yeah. Je ne pas le fro. Actually, that doesn't translate, but that's okay. But no, I think that's amazing to have had such a family history of medicine. That's very rare. I think the vast majority of our alumni to the show, maybe first generation. Seth Sherman had the victory before for Staten Island as a third generation orthopedist. But five, you know, a fifth generation within medicine, including, I guess, a grandmother who was one of the earliest. Great, great. Great, great. Who was one of the first female physicians in the country. 
That's amazing. What a great, great. And that's all happening in New Orleans? New Orleans? No, so that's uh, kind of all over the country. We uh, we sort of emigrated into New Orleans. My dad did to uh, work in academic medicine. He, uh, he helped found the department at LSU that's awesome. uh, way back when. So. so you didn't have any choice. I mean, out of the womb, you were going orthopedics. Well, you know, my dad was actually great. He never forced me or, or pushed me towards medicine. Uh, my grandfather did. Uh, my dad did not, and maybe that was a little bit of reverse psychology, um, but I, uh, I gravitated towards it. And I think one of the things that really distinguished what I saw growing up was, you know, I'd go to my friends' houses and see their parents come home from work, and, you know, they just always seemed to be miserable, griping about their jobs, you know, never necessarily enthusiastic about what they did. My dad and grandfather were totally different. I mean, my dad was always ecstatic and, you know, I, I grew up again within an orthopedic department. And so there are always interactions with residents, with uh, the other staff members. I mean, the family that I grew up with was the D'Ambrosia family. And, and they were just so in love with what they did. Uh, and, you know, for me, it's, you know, as much a vocation as it an avocation. You know, I, I just, I am passionate about what I do. I saw that in my dad and um, it, it just, you know, that's just the it's direction a, it's a I great, went. It's a great job, man. I mean, the ability to care for patients and be able to heal them, keep them moving in a demonstrable way that happens like right away. You know, we're not treating people's hypertension. They come in with shoulder pain, they can't lift their arm, you fix it, they go back to work and live their lives. I mean, it's that's an so cool. amazing way to have a positive impact on someone's life. And, and I don't think that there is a specialty that, that does that. Um, yeah. You know, maybe to some degree plastic surgery does because very often people go in with an idea that makes them feel happier or better in some way, but you know, we change people's lives for the better. And we're obviously the coolest people in medicine. There's no 100%. question about that for sure. All right, so let's talk about the process. So it's interesting because your, your educational pedigree, you're bouncing around a lot more than most people. Uh, you spent the, you, you moved around, but you went to SMU for undergrad. I did, I did. It was one of those things where it was either, you know, Ivy League or SMU. My sisters had gone to SMU. I spent weekends visiting them and, um, I have to say, I, I you know, I, I chose uh, an environment that I thought would um, be fun. And uh, it, <laughs> College it, is cool. We want to have a good time. You know, I, I somehow managed to get through and, and, and get to, you know, make it to the ortho show. So I there guess I did, I, I did the right decision it, for me. It, it's a badge of honor, brother. You have no idea you're going to be so happy. But no, it's like I've got one of my boys in Wisconsin right now. And he's, uh, he's, he's getting his grades done okay, you know, again. But I think college is all about having fun, but yet still seeking a path. And yes. sort of heading in the direction. You had a father that was an orthopedic surgeon, a grandfather that was an orthopedic surgeon. So it had to be tinkering in your brain at that point, and you're saying, oh, for you know, sure. it's going to be med school at this point. Once you're at SMU, you're grinding away and straight I, I, on in. Yes. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and again, never look back. Yeah, fantastic. So LSU for med school, you go yes. back home, which is cool because it's so, in New Orleans, it's right? It's in New Orleans. Yeah. You know, we get to have in-state tuition. And, oh, yeah. you know, and again, I, I went back home for med school and, and medical school in New Orleans, again, was, you know, uh, 
like any school in New Orleans, there was a lot of fun to be had during the learning process. And of course, uh, it was it was a great place. It's far enough away from Bourbon Street, though. You had to make a trip on down there. So. We did, we did. I, I must confess, there were times where you know the pager might go off as you're standing in a bar, and you realize it is your alarm clock waking you up to to get to the hospital to make rounds. So you know, I, I found that New Orleans has exceptional gravity for some reason. There's just a lot of weight pulling you down. For yes. sure. Yeah. But uh, no, we've had a lot of good times in New Orleans. So then it's off for a residency to the University of Missouri. Yeah, in Kansas City. Yeah, uh, I did my ortho residency there. And tell us about that. Some shout outs. So you know, it was a, a great experience. Um, one that uh, you know worked you hard, but you learned a lot. And uh, while I was there, I gravitated towards shoulder and elbow stuff. Ironically enough, for the reasons as, as I guess, a, a masochist, they, in my mind, were the hardest joints to treat, but for diametrically opposed reasons. Shoulder has the most degrees of freedom of any joint in the body. And I think at the time, we weren't necessarily understanding what the best concepts were and how we tackled them. And then the elbow is the opposite. It's the most constrained joint in the body and it's so challenging to treat because it doesn't tolerate much. Uh, so I you know, had the good fortune also when I was in medical school, I got to know Brad Edwards. And uh, when I was deciding what I was gonna do with my life post-residency, I had the opportunity to talk to Brad about his uh, time with Gilles, and um, I then got to meet with Gilles and Pascal Boileau. And, and I'm here in fellowship, because this Code Deserve Fellowship sounds fascinating. It was so you amazing. Got, you gotta so, tell us about this. So uh, in, uh, in June, after graduation, uh, my wife, my uh, five-week-old daughter, my two-year-old daughter and my 80-pound lab, we all moved to the south of France. And yeah, it was, you took the dog. We took the dog. It was a circus <laughs> sideshow, man. Oh you know, God. we showed up, you know, uh, and definitely people were staring at us at first, for sure. But one of the best years of your life. It was amazing. I'll tell you, the hardest thing that we had to do wasn't moving there. It was moving back. Sure. We just, we had an amazing thing. And, and um, you know, to Pascal's credit, he, he offered me to stay and um, I had committed to my practice uh, ahead of time and had committed to doing my uh, visiting clinicianship for Mayo at Elbow. Um, so we honored those commitments and um, uh, you know, I, I don't regret where I am. I love Traverse City, it's an amazing place. Uh, but I also know that, um, you know, it wouldn't have been bad to stick around in the south of France a little longer. Yeah, you know, I think in 2005 when you were there, it's really just a really important time frame in shoulder, right? It was. You know, we started doing arthroscopy in the mid-90s or so. But then, like, you know, relatively within a decade, we were doing some pretty cool stuff. Yes. And the same thing for shoulder reconstruction, right? It was a time in which things were truly blossoming. Uh, and so they have the opportunity to work with the French royalty uh, of For shoulder, sure. and then be able to then, you know, come back to the States and apply that's wonderful. But again, you're the consummate underachiever. It's not good enough to go to France and have an amazing fellowship with Pascal, but now you're gonna go to the Mayo Clinic and you're gonna do an elbow fellowship as well with Bernie Mori. So again, tell us about that. Well, that was also an amazing experience because uh, I got to interact with Bernie and his, you know, infinite wisdom. Uh, also uh, with Sean O'Driscoll, 
And then, um, you know, people like uh, Joaquin and, and Scott Steinman, who were there at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and even more incredible, this was sort of uh, Bob Cofield's denouement, and, yep. and uh, John Sperling was there as well. So if elbow cases weren't happening, uh, I had the luxury to go spend time Amazing. in shoulder cases. So it really was uh, just a, 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 an amazing time, amazing opportunity. Uh, and I, I can't say enough about that, that experience. And, and then all to Michigan. So wh where's and, the Michigan connection of your wife I and mean, what's going on? So uh, here's one of those, you know, wonderful, strange things that happened. I had uh, really been interested in academic medicine uh, for a lot of my career. I do enjoy teaching and uh, have a lot of fun with it. But we had this weird opportunity. I got cold called by one of the senior members in my group. And I remember coming home that day, uh, telling my wife, I got this weird call from some guy in a town called Traverse City, Michigan. And my wife was smart enough to remember, hey, our, you know, our best friends here have a summer house there. Uh, our, in Kansas City, our, our friends had the summer house in Traverse City and, and uh, they offered it to us to go and visit. So I didn't plan to go interview with this group. My wife and I got a you know free vacation, and as a resident, free stuff is great, of especially course. when it, if it involves a vacation. Sure, of course. So we end up going. Because we were this, working hard back then, <laughs> unlike these residents these oh, days. Oh, I mean, gosh, you know, uh, eighty hours—that would have been a vacation. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. So um, we get up there and just fall in love with the area, and I reached out to the group, and and we had we showed up. It was one of the surrounding towns. It was their sequicentennial. And if you remember the movie Funny Farm with Chevy Chase when they're trying to sell their house and all this, you know, they're paying the townspeople. We had an experience like that. I mean, they're giving out free ice cream. There's a parade. <laughs> it's, you know, 85 degrees and He's sunny. He's the best, newest trained orthopedic surgeon was, in the United States and we want this it guy. It was just, it was just crazy. So long story short, we, uh, we did also visit in the winter time to confirm that we still love the winters and, uh, I've been there ever since. You never looked back. And yeah, uh, since awesome. then, I've been fortunate enough. I did an Anna Traveling Fellowship a few years into my practice and, and have been lucky to learn from people literally all over the world. And uh, it's just been uh, an amazing journey. Yeah, well, I mean, you're absolutely one of the rock star shoulder specialists. I mean, when Sharif Bechet comes up to us and says, you know, Chewy, you know, you're, you're like the top shoulder surgeon in Michigan. I mean, that's a pretty high compliment to be paid. And, it, he's know, being very kind. Well, he is, but you know, it's great. I mean, you're one of the, the top five of my favorite people that when you talk and you do stuff, I'm listening. So high, high praise to you for sure. Well, so, I don't let science get in the way of my talks. Yeah, that's okay. good. I'm, I'm right there with you, brother. You know, experience-based medicine can be just as valid as evidence-based medicine. These kids these days, they have to have level one randomized controlled trials to be able to even get up off their chair, but that's a whole nother issue. But let's talk about something which, uh, you know, I have a passion for as well. And it's also amazing that within the world of private practice, education, we can talk about that, but medical device design in particular, and, and the, being, the ability to partner with industry to be able to make a difference on the planet and come up with ideas and, and ways that you've seen over decades that you want to apply. So, you know, we know that you, you know, you're a lead design surgeon with shoulder innovations. Just tell us a little bit about you know, just how that develops. I mean, how, how does a young, we have these young listening orthopedic surgeons that want to know all this stuff. How do you become a lead design surgeon? What was the process and just everything about it? 
Well, I would say uh, there was a, a significant uh, amount of good timing involved. Once I came back to the States, I, uh, I brought to Northern Michigan, Tournier and, and all that I had learned from the French and they really were at the forefront of anatomic shoulder arthroplasty and they certainly helped um, push forward uh, reverse shoulder arthroplasty. Sure. So that was fortunate for me to be involved in that company at that time and I became a, uh, a key opinion leader at KOL and work with them with educational opportunities. And over time, I did get involved with design with Tournier that ultimately then became Wright and now Stryker. And in fact, we still have a project uh, in the pipeline with Stryker that's been in development for over 10 years and it's finally gonna see the light of day, which, is a, which is a new fracture stem that awesome. uh, we've worked on for a long period of time. Through that, through my interactions with industry there, uh, and through my friendships that I have with other people that uh, are key, key opinion leaders, I've had lots of conversations with lots of different companies. And I worked with Shoulder Innovations because they were working on a technology that I felt um, was something revolutionary and something that was dear to my heart. And this started with looking at how we treat difficult glenoids. So going back now over 14 years, I have early patients, even with keeled glenoids, that I would actually ream their glenoid to correct them and ins inset a normal anatomic glenoid. All right, so Judy's listening here. We've got a lot of non-orthopedic surgeon uh, you know, listeners. We want to keep it so that they can understand. So give sure. it to us in a way that... So the idea is how do you treat someone that has bad arthritis, especially when they're young, and give them a shoulder replacement that will stand the test of time. And one of the things that we know is that, especially in a young patient, that has a lot of wear or change to the shoulder blade side of the joint, they may have a component that can get loose over time. All right, now we're talking. So how do we solve that problem of loosening? And one of the ideas I thought of early on and explored and someone like Steve Gunther had really done an amazing amount of work on, on figuring this out as well, was we can try and shoulder or support the component in the surrounding bone. With that idea in mind, we had approached one of the companies that I was working with and they sort of passed on that. And eventually this company was formed called Shoulder Innovations that really took Steve Gunther's ideas and Steve knew I was passionate about this as well and I came on board and so that's really where our relationship with that company started. And, and for me, the journey or the selection of what company I was able to work with there centered on a company that I felt I would actually have an impact because for me, the design process, I, you know, it's great to get royalties. For me, what I want to see about this is not how much passive income I make. It's actually how much I can change what I do, what happens to people all around the world. That is where, for me, I want to see an impact. That's where I get the pleasure. And I felt at the time with shoulder innovations, I'd be able to see my design ideas come to fruition. So smaller company. Smaller company. So therefore, you know, you as a lead design surgeon have, have a, a, a lot more voice. say. Really, they're listening to you. 
which is awesome. Less inertia to make things happen. Exactly. I love the concept, right? There's only so many patients you can see in a day. There's only so many patients you can personally operate on in a lifetime. But if you take the knowledge you've done and create something that's really valuable and good, and then it can be applied to so many other patients that you'll never meet, that's incredibly satisfying and scalable and super cool. I, I view education the same way. Uh, with orthopedic education, I have the opportunity, again, to touch lives all around the world. I've done live surgery in China where there were 3,000 people. In the operating room with you. <laughs> virtually. <laughs> but there were, there were like, like 25 20, in the room. Yeah, I've been there too, yeah. so I know. Uh, and, and I was the second person to do reverse shoulder arthroplasty in Japan. Uh, at the behest of Hiro Sagaya, I came to Japan as they were just starting their experience, and and I literally was the the second guy brought in to uh, I love to it. help that process get started. Heroes and Ortho Show alumnus as well. That wasn't the easiest one to arrange for a twelve hour time difference, but we did get it done. But no, look, Chris, this has been you know fantastic. I can't thank you enough for for taking time to to come and visit with us today and really talk about the things that are so you're so passionate about. You know, as we lead out here, I definitely think we need something for our listeners in French to sort of say thank you and being a part of the process. What do you got for us? Oh gosh, we can do everything from curses to... Uh, yeah, something nice and sweet for my wife to be able to listen to and understand as we go. Uh, merci pour le, pour le temps avec moi. Bisous uh, et bonne journée. Oh, fantastic. I love it. Thanks for so much for being here, Chris. My it's pleasure. been awesome. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.